everyone, it's Naomi Sneekus, and welcome to the Firecracker Department. Are you new to the Firecracker Department? Well, welcome. Pull up a rolly chair. We're so glad you came. And are you somebody who's listened to a bunch of podcasts of mine before? Welcome back. I'm so glad you came back. We were, we were so worried about you. You were gone a little bit too long. Just a little bit too long, to be honest. I so love doing this job. I'm an actor, improviser, writer, and then I also produce and host this podcast. And it's one of my favorite things in the world because I get to talk to funny, interesting, dynamic, inspiring women in the entertainment industry. And then I get to share it with you. And we're building such a cool community. I have to tell you, I have to tell you, it's just boomed. It's just exploded. We started with Caitlin Curcio and I just doing a little podcast and then suddenly Jen Pogue came along and then Isabella and Laura Lee and suddenly we went from two to six to 12 to 20 now in Los Angeles, Toronto and England. Go figure. It's just an amazing thing and we're building this community across the world that is accessible to everybody. And wherever you are in the world, you have a place at the firecracker table and I'm so glad you're part of it. Uh, I know a lot of people think, oh, Naomi, she's so glamorous. Oh, she always just looks so together, said no one. Um, but I want to let you know I'm, I'm in North Bay, Ontario. Yes, I know, glamorous already. I'm uh, shooting a TV show called Carter on CTV. And it's just the best because it's with some of my favorite people like Jerry O'Connell and Christian Brune and Sidney Poitier and a guy named Matt Barham who also happens to be my husband. So I'm in North Bay and I'm recording this intro and I, I care, you guys. I care that this intro sounds as best as it can. So I'm underneath a blanket, not just any blanket, a dog blanket, just to see if I can get the sound better. So... It's uh, glamorous. Yeah, picture that. I was thinking about what to talk to you today about, and I was thinking about this inclusivity feeling that is so important to me. So, you know, I have to tell you, when I was in grade six, I found a list. Okay, this is going to break your heart, but I want you to know I'm okay now because I've dealt with it over the years. But I found a list called the hate list. And guess who was at number one? Me. I was number one on the hate list. And some of you said, and some of you would say, well, at least you were number one. <laughs> I don't know who would say that, but it, uh, it so broke my heart. And I think it sort of changed the way I would think. My mom was so much about um, being inclusive and sharing space with people and making sure that everybody was invited to all birthday parties. If I had a birthday party and I didn't want to invite one of the people in the school because they kind of bugged me that day because maybe they stole my favorite pencil with the smelly eraser or something ridiculous, my mom would say, no, you have to invite everyone. Think about how they would feel if they weren't invited. You have to include everyone. And so that's really stuck with me over the years. And when I think about developing the firecracker department, I think about how important it is to include you and you and you, all of you, because it's all the better for you being here. And if you look at the team that we've grown over the last only four months, my gosh, four months, it's full of such dynamic and special 
women that bring such unique qualities. We couldn't do what we're doing today without each one of them. Whether they're just contributing a little bit by engaging online with us or whether they're just supporting us afar and, and, and coming to the events and supporting at events, or maybe they're doing a heck of a lot and supporting in a big way. It's all so valuable and I, I couldn't do this without them. So the next time you see somebody you know, that's sitting apart or that looks a little bit like they're out of place, bring them in. You know that feeling when you're at a party and you're out of place and you're so desperate just to either leave or find somebody to talk to? Bring that person in. Start off by saying, hey, I'm in a group called the Firecracker Department and I want you to know about it. Or talk to them about anything. You can just find conversation anywhere, but it just feels so good. Like, you know those days when somebody's pulled you into a group? You don't care what they're going to talk to you about. You just want them to pull you into a group. So hashtag inclusivity. That's important. Hashtag come sit at my table. There is always a space at the Firecracker Department table for you. And I'm so glad you're here with us today. I got to talk to somebody that I just... Usually I get to talk to people on this podcast that I know a little bit, but I spoke today to a gal named Carolina Helsgard, and Carolina's from Berlin, Germany, and first of all, I just love that I'm speaking to people from Germany, and I want to do that more and more and more, because as I said, Firecracker Department is not just about one city, it's about all cities, so that one day, you know, one day when... A firecracker from Toronto is visiting England and they put out into the Twitter world, hey, I'm, I'm in England, firecrackers, where are you? Suddenly you'll have a community that you didn't even know you had. Wouldn't that be just the best? That's my dream. So speaking with Carolina, it was so great. She is, um, she's just a dynamo. She's done two feature films. Her first film was called uh, Vanya, and uh, that was at the Berlin Film Festival in 2015. And now she's just come up with a new feature called Enzit. Enzit, E-N-D-Z-E-I-T. And it's a zombie movie. And I'm not a... I have to tell you, I don't love zombies. I'm not one of those people that love zombies. I feel like I'm confessing. Um, but I, I did love this movie, and I'll tell you why. Because it was so much about the relationships. It was um, created, written, and uh, the crew was all female. And it's so much about these two women and their heart and their adventures within this zombie land. I'm going to tell you, it scared the heck out of me a couple of times. I did have to take a break. I had to take a break. It was pretty gruesome. But if you like zombies, you're going to love it. And Zeet, you must go check it out. So here's my conversation with Carolina Helsgard. I know you're going to love it. Uh, it seems like you are the kind of person that doesn't sleep a lot. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I mean, it's funny because this night I barely slept. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this past night. This past night, but yeah. because I'm jet lagged. Oh, you just got here? No, I got here on Thursday and I have one night where I slept really well and then I have one night. But it seems like you have project and a project. Oh, that's what you mean, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, in order to kind of... I mean, it is about, like, survival also. Like, you have to work. Yeah. I mean, if if I don't work, if I don't make a project, I, I have to do something. Yeah else and I didn't I don't really feel like that so yeah. then I just do one project after another and yeah. I I really like it I think it suits me really well to also I kind of even like that I'm meeting a lot of new people and I'm always kind of working in new constellations yeah so it's not like I have my pool of film workers yet 
like your your crew, yeah, crew that you always go to. I don't really have that. I had it like in the beginning. I had like more or less the same people, mm-hmm. but then through like various reasons I had to kind of rethink that idea because funding in Germany is quite complicated so you have to take people from various regions uh, so I actually opened up to working with new people and now I kind of even like it like, yeah. I think it's uh, it pushes me in a way and, so yeah. you'd prefer to just change your crew every time I mean I think if I could choose I would pref- not prefer to change the director of photography yeah but I'm very open to changing some other yeah crew members because yeah. I, I think you you have to learn also from other people yeah. you do that when you can um, you meet new people and they confront you with their ideas yeah and now we're I'm working on an international co-production uh, so I meet people from Holland or from Poland and it's just really um yeah, enriching, or how do you say it? Like yeah, it's, you're right. Yeah, yeah enriching. Yeah, yeah enriching. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, That's interesting. It pushes me. In because a good it would, way. yeah, push you to to um, define your voice more clearly, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Cause and it, you also have, like, they, I mean, they think in different ways than I do because yeah. they come from other countries. And it's, uh, I think, open up, like, new ways of creating. Yeah. It's interesting because there's a fine line, like, like as you said, you want to have the same DOP because mm. then you have a shorthand that you're not having yeah. to learn each time. Yeah. But you don't feel that way with the other crew. Sound. Not really. I mean, sound. I mean, I really like the sound guy I was working with for a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's true. I wouldn't mind continuing working with him. Yeah. Maybe you haven't found the right mix yet. Like you're putting your your. It's almost like gathering up your team as you go along, you know. And it's a little bit like that. Yeah. But I think every project kind of um, needs a different constellation. I think it's also about that. Yeah. I, I don't think that all every. I, maybe that's why I'm changing the team as well, and maybe that's why I don't have anything against it because I think each project has like another match yeah 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 and when you said so it, it's survival that makes you go 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 I mean I get it I think um it's it, from looking at your your role on social media like I can mm-hmm. see that you're always working right okay. you're always but it's it's sort of what you need to do mm-hmm. so what did you do before mm-hmm. that um that drove you to be that kind of have that kind of passion mm. I think I mean I come from this kind of middle class working class family yeah. in Stockholm yeah what did your parents do so my mom had her own like very small company where she actually imported organic food already in the 80s oh. and re- like she would import like uh, dried tomatoes or dried fruits and like kind of uh, sell yeah. them to various places in Stockholm. Okay. And my father was working in like various like state or city positions. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they were both like really hard working mm-hmm. workers and um I think it just learned quite early that that's the way it has to be. Like it's not really it's not really that you have a lot of choice I think I mean some people do yeah but, but I don't really I never had like a lot of money or means right or, I just really had to stay active yeah yeah 
Yeah, I feel like not everybody has that belief. Like, <laughs> I think, but I do think, like, I think you and I have the similar thoughts where you're like, I'm going to do everything I can. Mm. Do you know, if you want to produce a film, you have to do so much. Yeah. That if you don't do that, then your film doesn't get made. And some people might go, nah, then it doesn't mm. get made. Yeah, you have to, like, I, I think with my first feature film, I really had to cross, like, some limits in a way yeah. also personal limits to make to get it made yeah like what what kind of personal limits I mean we didn't we had to form our own company to make that film oh interesting and my co a colleague of mine who is actually a documentary filmmaker I told her that she should be my producer because I really trust her yeah I think she has great great taste and great judgment and she's like really important to me Johanna Aust um, but the problem is like she never produced a feature and we never had had like a film production right come, and we also went to art school to right. art academy so we don't we, we don't come from business right yeah they don't teach that at they the don't arts. teach that I know which I'm always so, surprised yeah. by they don't teach you how to raise money and they don't teach you how to manage your money exactly which are two really important things yeah. in the arts yeah so it's like it's exactly about these two things like we had to learn that very very quickly yeah extremely quickly we, we learn stuff in some months that people go to school for yeah. five years like what was one of the things that you learned that that hurt your brain <laughs> <laughs> i mean raising money was like one thing like we were quite lucky the whole time like because probably because we're good at writing we're good at writing like mm -hmm. applications so we, oh, would, that's we would get like the funding but it is i mean it is a challenge to produce a film it's quite scary i mean you have suddenly you have a lot of costs yeah a lot of and even if you calculate these costs Uh, it is just it is a challenge because there are so many things that can go wrong um, our first feature was also made with extremely little money right yeah what was the name I'm forgetting Vanya Vanya but yeah. what was the one of the bank robbers I yeah watched? that's Vanya oh Vanya yeah, yeah. Um, so it was like to make that happen we just had to Um, I think I had to take I mean I was kind of producing that film as well so I had so many roles yeah. in that film like too many I would say yeah yeah. would you would you go back and do it differently? I think it wasn't possible with that film yeah. but it took me after I made that film it took me like almost a year before I could like answer email yeah yeah. because you're so burnt I out I was so burnt out so yeah. was that like I think that you like producing so that must have been um, well I mean how was that was it scary to not have something on the go but and while you recovered mm, it wasn't really I mean I was touring with Vanya at that right. time so I was kind of so like enjoying like, that like yeah. I wasn't like you know in bed right? <laughs> just wrapped up in your blankets no, no. okay no it wasn't like a burnout <laughs> I mean there are various degrees of being burnt out yeah but I, what I mean with that is more like that I just didn't feel like where I wasn't ca capable of like running the business as I yeah. used I mean I wasn't like really I was present and I was like I was functioning but I didn't really feel like producing another film yeah. ever again and I decided I won't like I won't do that yeah yeah. but you were touring so you I was still touring work. so I was still like working yeah but I think it's for me I really enjoy being like the director mm -hmm. kind of writer director but I just I think that film made me just make that decision mm -hmm. yeah 
What kind of um, childhood did you have that uh, made you into a director? Um, do you remember being a director, like, early? I remember being very bossy. Okay. And uh, thinking, like, now I look back and I was like, that wasn't bossy. I was directing. <laughs> like, you're playing over there and you're playing the little girl and I'm playing the mom. And <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I'm very bossy. And when I'm in a group of people, I'm often like a bit withdrawn mm-hmm. even. Um, I think I do enjoy moments of kind of making things happen. Or like, I think, I don't know if directing has to do with my childhood. I, my first short films were related to my childhood. And, and the next one I'm doing is also related. In what way? To that. And the next one is like based on childhood memories of vacations that we did in the 80s with my family and like the relationship I had with my little sister yeah um, yeah wrote a film about that it's Where called Sunburn oh. and we're shooting that in Spain next month actually. and was that that was where you went on vacation with Spain uh, this is like uh, like a melange of vacations ah, okay. various vacations with it in the 80s we were always in this like it's called like Club Med like yeah yeah yeah. What part of Spain did you go to? Um, I mean, not, it's not about our vacation in Spain. No. It was like just vacation. I mean, we went to Tenerife and yeah. stuff like that. Or Corfu. Yeah. Uh, but also Israel. And, you know, we're just all over. Travelers. To France. And, yeah. 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 That must have opened your brain up, too, to storytelling and to what else is out there. Yeah. I, I think... I, I think most people become or they want to make films because they see the world in a, in, in a way and they want to tell people about mm-hmm. that very special way that they see the world mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of true for me as well. Well, How do you think you see the world differently than most people? I mean I do think that I pick up on details and like um, mm, yeah maybe even different kinds of injustices oh yeah I'm very sensitive to that yeah has that always been for you even like through your childhood I think Sweden is such a weird country to I mean I grew up like I'm born in the 70s but I grew up in the 80s and it's like almost like Back then it was almost socialist, so we were supposed to all be very equal, Mm -hmm. and you couldn't like excel at anything, and it was just like kind of it felt like constantly that you were kind of pushed down. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's uh, a different perception that we have of Sweden. No, I I didn't. And then I was an exchange student, like in the nineties. When I was seventeen, I went to LA and went to actually private girls school in LA which was extremely individualistic and uh, I just kind of um, I think I'm very like sensitive to um, yeah to environments which are oppressive mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter if it's like in Sweden or yeah. in the US or in do you remember the do you remember the, a moment where you first recognized that there is oppression in the world I mean, the whole 80s, I remember just being very worried as a child. Oh, yeah? Yeah. About what? I don't remember. I remember, I mean, well, hairspray in the 80s. That's what I remember. So very no, different. No, no, I remember that the Chernobyl catastrophe in yeah, 86. Yeah. Like, we couldn't eat, like, blueberries. Um, the rain was suddenly dangerous. And, right. Yeah. And then there was, like, mass starvation. And 
and that big weight children. on you. Yeah, yeah. I was really like a very worried child. Yeah. Very worried. Where do you think that comes country? from? That's that you know that like I don't think all children were worried about Chernobyl when they were. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't 10. know. I think it was just very neurotic already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, as you said, you had like a, you'd see specific things in the world. Mm-hmm. Then you just have a different outlook. Yeah. Really don't know about it. Yeah, and so then when did you think like that could also be created into stories? Well. Um, I think my first story, stories I made because I went to the art academy were based on feelings oh. rather than like a narrative. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's like a feeling you have. And then I had this various feelings and then I, w- I was looking for images. So yeah. in the beginning I did my own camera work and I would do these like experimental films. Uh, so you like would start with a feeling? Yeah, yeah. You'd say, like, I have a feeling of um, anxiety. Yeah. And then what images? Yeah. And so, oh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I never thought so of that. So that's how I started. And also when I, I studied, like, film history and theory in Stockholm before I moved to yeah. Berlin. Um, um, and I, I, I mean, I did a master's degree, so I wrote, like, a master thesis, which is obviously, like, a lot of work, and you kind of have to really dwell into uh, the this um, writing and and thinking about film for, yeah. for like half a year. That's right. like the period of time that you have. And I think already back then I would watch films and, and get these. It was more about emotions in a way mm. than about the story. And I think it still applies to some of my work that I, I really think about emotions a lot and what kind of emotions. I mean, also the audience reactions, of course, but also what kind of emotions does this particular image like carry? Yeah. Within? Yeah. Um, I'm curious where that that instinct was born. You don't know. I have no idea. You just have it. I mean, that's that's incredible because I don't think everybody thinks that way. But the need to express that in film—it's really. Uh, I think unique. it's about like ambivalence because I think. You cannot. Uh, also, making this, doing this interview with you, I noticed that I struggle, like, like trying to say what this is all yeah. about. And I think what's so great about images is that you don't have to, you don't have like a text. Right. You can be much more ambivalent. Yeah. And I think like emotions or different atmospheric, mo- like moods, maybe I should say, yeah. can be very ambivalent. They can be several things and right. you can interpret them maybe even more than you can. I mean, of course, a poem you could also, it's similar to a poem because a poem you could interpret in different ways, yeah. but most texts are very like specific. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's about that more. So if I ask you a question, it would be better for you if you showed me an image for your answer. Be like, <laughs> this is actually how I feel about your question. I don't know, but it, it would be a, a uh, an option yeah. yeah do you remember the time that you knew that you wanted to direct and not just be a writer just produce or mm, I mean I'm still writing yeah so but you do all of it right don't you do producer writer director I mean being a producer I stopped I, I'm, I'm not gonna do that right again. okay yeah is that, that, is that okay for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, the decision I made after my first feature that I will never produce. Ever. And why? What? Why? Because it was just too exhausting. Too much. And yeah. It's not. I'm always good shocked to like mix these positions. Yeah. I, think. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. 
No, it's a lot. I think as a director, it's actually quite good not to know what's going on. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the budget side. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. think about no. time and yeah. money. and. I mean, you have to think about you it. You have to. But, but you, you don't... don't have to know every detail. Yeah. It's more about that. Yeah. I think as a director, of course, you have to be very aware of that a film costs a lot of money. And it's a privilege that you can make this film. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe you don't need to know every... Itself. Yeah, you don't need to know yeah. how much the muffins are costing. Yeah. <laughs> don't eat so many muffins. Yeah. Um, when uh, so when you started directing, do you remember? Like, I don't even know how to explain this, but like, I remember a moment when I was on stage and I was like, I don't want to do anything other than be an actor. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. Do you remember the moment when you were? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's just like, yeah, and I share this feeling with like a lot of people. I think that mm-hmm. it's just like. When you have the feeling that the image is perfect, and when the acting is perfect, yeah. and when the light is perfect, and when everything is like perfectly, when the timing is right, when the dialogues are like also um, synchronized with the timing and the light and the camera movement, that's like the best feeling in the mm-hmm. whole world. Mm-hmm. It's like when everything makes sense, mm-hmm. like your whole existence makes sense. That's why you're here I to create it. these like moments. But you don't. I don't have that always. Like it's not like I have it in every shot. It's just like sometimes no, it's the it. pursuit of that. Yeah, it's right. the pursuit of that. Yeah. And so sometimes you have it, and sometimes you don't. And it doesn't mean that the film is bad. It means then maybe you're under such you're working under such circumstances where it's just not possible, where there's so little time. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different things. You know, to keep in touch with, let alone yeah. that feeling. That's mm-hmm. But I had that feeling very much when I was studying because maybe because we had more time back then yeah. making our work. Yeah, and you're allowed to make more mistakes when you're studying. Yeah. Did you have anybody give you advice that you that propelled you into directing? It's so funny. People always ask me this advice yeah. question, and I honestly cannot think about yeah. almost any advice I ever got from anyone. I feel like, like you were just a born director. <laughs> like I feel like I'll ask you, and you'd be like, "This is just what it is. That's how it goes." I mean, I had I had a really good mentor at the art academy. Yeah. It's called like Hartmut Bitomsky. Yeah. It's like a document experimental. Doc- documentary filmmaker and I remember him of course like telling me stuff which I which was useful yeah but he wasn't like like this fatherly figure he it felt more like a colleague he would right. tell me like to really watch like if you do this scene like for instance if I would write a scene which takes place in the subway he would say oh you know Carolina it's really difficult to get permits to shoot in the subway so maybe and it's also not very interesting as a setting so maybe move it somewhere else like he would tell me stuff like that and he was right so it was more like practical advice yeah and I really I really liked him and he helped me a lot and I'm like forever grateful right. for him mentoring me it's very important but it wasn't like advice like propelling you like every, it wasn't ever life advice yeah ever did you ever think you'd do anything else um, I was often hoping I would do something else <laughs> something way <laughs> I easier I couldn't come up with what that would be I like, thought at one point yeah. I should become um, a dental hygienist oh okay but That's I don't cool. like I think it would be gross <laughs> I think that would be disgusting but I yeah. thought maybe that would be easier it wouldn't be so like yeah. emotionally but maybe I don't know I don't know maybe they also find it hard to become a dental hygienist and like yeah. the pursuit of their passion of teeth I think you really have to do what you're interested in. Yeah. 
interested in teeth, you can work with that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm not interested. Yeah. I'm not interested. I'm interested in my own teeth. Um, <laughs> and you never thought, like, along the way, because you studied, you went to school quite early. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I just finished, like, my master's degree in Sweden, I just finished really quickly yeah. when I was, like, 20, I think I was, like, 22, 23. Yeah, that's that's young. Like, yeah, that's a lot young. of people when they're 22 and 23 don't know. Yeah, but then I didn't know really what yeah. to do after that. And it felt, also felt like no one cared because it was a master's in film history. and Right. No one, no one cared. <laughs> right. I mean, right. this was also, in, like, yeah... Uh, end of the 90s beginning of 2000 and the whole mood was kind of like this upcoming like web design like right. web related stuff and I, I think it was just too old school for right. that and so that's when actually I decided to go to Berlin and do a second degree yeah. uh, in the arts but I also had to work during that whole time, so it was very, it was quite stressful. To, yeah, to like to make degree. money to yeah support. to so because in Sweden you get like you can you get a loan for the first degree you do you can you kind of you can apply for a state loan uh-huh. which I did which I'm still paying right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but for the second one you don't get you can't any have any more after that oh interesting funny. What kind of jobs did you do? To I was editing for oh. artists. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I met a lot of interesting people, and I also loved this like non-narrative editing. What do you mean? Like I didn't. So it was like video art. Ah, uh, okay. So it's not telling a story. Right. It's also about like feelings and yeah, like abstract. Oh, they must like have, working together and they must have um, rejoiced when they saw you and the, like you're the perfect person I think they for quite liked me yeah. yeah it was good to work for them yeah. yeah and did along the way did you ever think no I, it's too hard I'm not going to be a director I did but I also have like a really lovely partner since yeah. 20 years almost oh wow now. yeah and he always uh, supported me and I was there were, were a lot of times where I was thinking that it's not, this is not going to work out yeah. and I have to get like a real job. And he was always like, don't do it. Because the minute you do it, um, you're not going to have any time and energy to, to do anything else. Yeah. And I think without, I don't think that you can exist in this world alone. And I don't think that you can make art alone, really. And um, like, I'm very aware of like his kind of support and influence mm-hmm. on me and yeah very great I've been lucky I yeah think. yeah is he an artist he's a game designer actually oh okay yeah. so I play a lot of like oh you guys are gamers games. yeah okay so. well that makes sense yeah. watching the movie <laughs> yeah. pronounce the movie for me Insight. Insight. yeah um because there were times that I'm like, oh, this is like a video game. So yeah. now you say that, this that aesthetic, makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah, we had, we wanted even more. Actually, we had planned like a lot of drone shots from above. Yeah. So you can see them like walking. Like oh, this. like a video game. Yeah, like oh, a video yeah. game. But then it was not possible because it takes forever to get one of these drones up there. And we oh, just yeah. didn't have time. How long does it take to get a drone up there? I mean, you just, for every shot, you have to plan yeah. like one, two hours. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, it's just not possible. No. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. So how did, it seems like there's a recurring theme in the films that you do as well mm-hmm. from what I've read and seen. Um, and it's sort of the, uh, the outcast 
mm-hmm. or like some or like just people kind of struggling I think to belong to somewhere belong, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. do you feel like that's like reflective of your own journey yeah of course I mean it's reflective of everything yeah. Who's, you know you talk to any anybody and they feel like they don't belong somewhere yeah. Nobody feels constantly like they belong. I mean, I certainly felt that I didn't belong in Sweden. I mean, that's why I don't live there, yeah. I think, because I just moved away. Yeah. I, I lived in Paris, and I lived in LA, and I lived in Germany for a really long time. And you felt like you belonged more there than Sweden? Weirdly enough, yeah. I feel yeah. really, like, European, in a way. And I, I think Sweden has gotten better. It's a more interesting country. Yeah. But it was just so isolated, and yeah. there were barely any... I mean, there were immigrants. Like, my mother is an immigrant from Poland. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, now the mix of people is much more exciting. But back then it was just, like, so boring. Yeah, And, like, kind of bleak. No. You know, I came to L.A. in 94, and I was just like, wow, this is, like, how the world looks. Like, yeah. all these, like, different people wanting different things. That was also a thing in Sweden. Like, everyone was just, like, the, their journeys were so set. Like, right. you do this, and then you do that. And then you come to U.S., and everything is just, like... Possible and can I mean it's a difficult society in many ways, but it's also exciting. It was exciting to be there. Yeah. Especially in the nineties, like LA was kind of a really interesting place, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. and there was a lot of like I don't know, it was a very positive yeah, the whole country was more positive, I think, mm-hmm. than it is now. LA. Yeah, or yeah. like the US There's I mean everyone leader. loved like yeah. Clinton until he did that. Thing. He did that thing. Yeah. <laughs> that thing he did? Oh, yeah. That was not talking great. about that. But before well, that happened, people were very, like, optimistic. Yeah. 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 He, uh, people he, just loved him. I remember people just loved oh, him. Oh, yeah. Like, adored him. But in comparison to now, yeah. there's no comparison. He, the, we've got just... I spent time in L.A., so I'm yeah. very aware of the weight of that leadership. I don't want to say his name. Yeah. It's like Voldemort. I know. Um, <laughs> so as like as a director, are you aware of how much um, you put of yourself into that story and into connecting with the actors and so on? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, I, I mean, I usually do uh, use like personal experiences a lot when I write my scripts. Mm-hmm. And in this uh, film, which is based on Olivia's very particular right. experiences and some very personal things, I think that she has uh, lived through, uh, which are obviously not the same experiences as I have had. Uh, it is like it is a challenge. I mean, you have to take someone else's story, you know, story and yeah. make it into your own. Otherwise, you can't you can't adapt. I mean, you can't make realize the film. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Is that typical for you to direct somebody else's? I never have done, you ever it, done it before. No. Yeah. So yeah. was that how was that for you? It was a challenge. Yeah. Of course. Was I? I mean, I sometimes felt that the things that she put into the script, um, which were obviously very important to her, that it was a challenge for me to interpret them. But I was very open to listening to her. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a very good understanding. Like we really did. You know each other before? No. Oh, but we really liked working together. And I'm so happy she's here yeah. at the festival, and I really enjoy her company and like the way I really like the way she looks at the world. Yeah. Like when we walk down the street here and she makes uh, jokes and stuff, like I immediately understand what she means. That's very lucky. Yeah. That you found that. So I didn't have like a problem at all. Yeah. Like I kind of, I, I think it just like kind of liked 
how she portrays the world. Yeah. And I just like attached myself to that. So it wasn't it wasn't a struggle. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a problem changing my own perspective. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. But it's still it is different than the rest of your own. You're serving her story as opposed to your story that you can change. If yeah, you yeah, want to. I think yeah, exactly. And I wasn't I wasn't allowed to change no. the script. No. So it was kind of uh, that was new to yeah. me. Yeah. Did you have any time that you um, had disagreements about? I mean, Olivia or? and I, weirdly enough, barely had any of these moments. I don't think we had any single moment. We were kind of like in the same direction the whole time. We yeah. wanted to actually pull the story in another way at times, and I think disagreements we had was with yeah, financiers and yeah, yeah. People um, like that, do but you, it was nothing severe at all. No. It was just, you know you have you have to discuss the script, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think makes you a good director? I think I'm very like open to other people, and that I can read other people quite well. But I can also make decisions very fast. Mm-hmm. That's and I can react very, very quickly. Probably more quick than most oh, people. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I can like quickly read a situation, rethink like my strategy. Yeah. Do you find yourself, if somebody asks a question to another person, you're like, I can already answer that faster <laughs> than they can. <laughs> Sometimes my brain works so fast, they'll, my, they'll ask my husband a question, and I'll be like... Don't say anything, don't say anything, but I have the answer right there. What I find is that I often continue the conversations I have had in my head and I often like spin these in different directions right. and I often like kind of play with stuff that people have said to yeah. me. And, yeah. Is there a shot or um, an element of this movie that you're proud of, like was a real victory for you? I think I enjoyed the... Um, River scenes towards the end, the mm-hmm. most because they were extremely difficult. Yeah, because we only they're actually like one shots. Like the whole scene is kind of one. Really? Yeah, not necessarily when she crosses that. We did a couple of times. Yeah, um, because it was difficult with the camera moving. But the rest were just like one shot because there was a thunderstorm coming oh, and wow. it started raining and we're like kind of yelling at each other while doing it. And Leah was yelling like we had to shoot like now because I can't like. Like the camera, the equipment is getting wet. Yeah, like, that's so. Fun. I remember yeah. doing a commercial once, mm. and commercials have so much money they don't know what to do with them, right? Mm. And every once in a while, and it was the morning; they, it just poured. It was mm-hmm. so torrential, and I was like, "We're not going to shoot today. It's outside." And then there was some. Um, every once in a while, you'd hear firecrackers go off, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Whoa." Who's doing firecrackers? And they had so much money that they were shooting up explosions to separate the clouds to stop it from raining. Whoa. What? That's incredible. That's how much money they had. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So did you run across any, um, not conflicts, but uh, challenges environmentally with this? Because that film seems very... I mean, the shots are so beautiful, but there's nobody around. Like, I can't believe you were able to get that kind of space. I mean, we were outside a lot, so the whole, so you are kind of like, I was hoping the whole time that the weather wouldn't cause any problems, and it did at times, and when it rained in the film, uh, when it rained during the shoot, it rains in the film, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that, Mm -hmm. Uh, and if it had rained the whole summer, it would have been a rainy movie. That's right. Yeah. 
maybe a different um, title, like the rainy zombie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that area is also in the east and it's deserted, like yeah. underpopulated. Is that right? And it was kind of scary to go through the villages. We passed like you know, like all the houses were just like shut down and haunting. Haunting, yeah. yeah. Um, you'll, you'll tour with this now, right? This for for a while. Like, so. Do you feel like that same element of burnout that you had with that last film? No, I know burnout is also such a wide. I mean, there's some people that just lay in bed for like two years, and but I didn't do that. But yeah. it was more like I wasn't capable of like starting a new product yeah. immediately. Um, I think I learned a lot from that time, yeah, and not to push myself that much. So, right, I feel. Are you able to do that? Fine, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, how do you recharge? I would go to lakes or I go running. Yeah, do a lot of sports. Play badminton with a group of guys. Try to bash their heads and <laughs> and then I feel so much better yeah it's weird but it's with a really small thing so it doesn't hurt them yeah exactly yeah. it's good you no, plan I do, that I just well. like hang out with my partner our cat and I'm pretty happy yeah. like, I'm a pretty simple person I think I go to the countryside just try to be in nature yeah like I don't need I'm pretty low key like I don't need much yeah and do you feel like there's a sense of pressure to create next, next, next? Mm, only from within, like yeah, yeah. But doesn't from that the outside? Like, I don't think people care. People don't really care about other no, people. No, don't they see this film and go, "Okay, that's really good. What's next?" No, I don't feel like I'm not that like because I went to the art academy. Yeah, I'm not even that connected to other filmmakers or producers. No, no. I kind of exist like in a, another like. Dimension. Interesting. I yeah, I don't feel like stressed by other people at all. What causes you stress then? Um, sometimes, like unfinished ideas, causes stress. Extreme oh. stress. Yeah. Tell me more about that. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Well, I know what that means had, to me, and I get when it. When you had like an idea for a really long time, and I'm talking about like years yeah. now, and you still cannot really there's like still one part missing there's like you feel it's like a really good idea yeah and you feel it could be a really amazing story and it could work as a movie but there's still like one last element which doesn't really click it's almost like yeah, being a detective and you're looking for like clues and there's like you know it's just like if you just get that it will be amazing yeah that feeling I have had like since yeah I started studying with a lot of projects and I still have it with some of my you know you always have these like ideas yeah. and like I think in, in a way I am quite conceptual like yeah. I have yeah. a concept yeah. yeah I think you're very conceptual yeah, <laughs> yeah you speak um, in images and sometimes yeah it's like something is missing and you cannot really figure out what it is and um it can also be because you haven't experienced enough stuff. Like, I oh. go through these, like, different phases where I work really hard, but yeah. then I also have, like, a phase where I just go out and meet a lot of people, travel. Or, yeah. And I often, don't think that happens yeah, enough. Yeah, and often you you then actually maybe come up with a missing piece. Right. But I don't think you can find that, like, just staring at your computer. Yeah, work harder. doesn't, doesn't really work. Like, do you have a sense of urgency for creating? Mm, yeah. Because you create a lot. It was, like, important to me... In Germany, you have this kind of... I don't know if you have it in other countries, but when you reach the age of 40, I think people... I'm 41 now, mm -hmm. and I think people just stop being nice to you. I mean, it's... Like, <laughs> 
before you. How old are you? Oh, 41? Yeah. Get out of here. (laughs) No, because it sounds weird, but before you kind of, especially when you're. I finished art school when I was like 30 ish, like 31. When I was 31, I was like in LA at CalArts and then I came back. And then people, I could notice that people were really like, you're still like young. Yeah. People kind of treat you as like a cute puppy, like kind of (laughs) being really nice. And I'm really forever grateful to all these people who helped me. And because I did, they really did and they didn't have to at sure. all. And they didn't have me because I'm well connected or because I was someone. No. They did because they believed in my ideas. Yeah. So it was like actually quite a wonderful experience. Like I, I really love Germany because yeah. of that. Uh, because I come, I really come from the outside. Like most people go to film school and I didn't. Right. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So um, what did I want to say? But it's just like, it's yeah, I knew, I knew that I had to do... Um, my first feature around like 35, 36. And if I cannot do that, then I might have a problem. Right. Yeah. Because you started so young, too. Like, I didn't. I said, like 22. Like, like, no, but I started your... like art school when I was like 20. I had like some, a gap where I, where I didn't do any. I mean, I was working. Right. So I wasn't that young when I started. It was like I studied from like 26. Okay. I think I started art school. Yeah. I know what you I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean though. With, um, the it's it's like after thirties, it's almost like you're not allowed to make mistakes anymore. Yeah. Or some I don't know. Like it's it's even if you're doing something new. Like I'm yeah. I'm just starting to write and I'm starting to direct yeah. and it feels like oh don't don't make any mistakes. I know you've never done it before, mm-hmm. but you should know better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I I know what you mean. Yeah, I remember I was making like a short film when I was like thirty. I think I was thirty three, and there was like immense pressure already then yeah. that it had to be like good. And yeah. I never experienced that before. Do you think it's any pressure that you're putting on yourself? As no, that was really from the outside. <laughs> it was like really. What was it specifically? It was just like people. I got this grant, and you know, you finish studying, and you just they give you your first major grant. I had to move to another German city. Like it was like for a the grant. Yeah, for the grant. Oh. So I was like alone in the city, which I hated. Awful. Absolutely hated it. Yeah. I felt like kind of unsafe and. My partner refused to come because he was like, I have to stay home and look after the look cat. After cat. I was like, what? <laughs> so I kept on like going between the cities. And um, I just remember that they had given me this grant because they really believed in me. Right. But with that, like those expectations, because I was more like, oh, a grant, I'm going to hang out like for six months. Yeah. And, like do a little short film. But no, it wasn't like that at all. I just had to work the really hard from yeah. the beginning. And they told me also, like they were like, yeah, we expect you to excel and we expect you to do this and that. Um, we can provide you with people who could help you, but it's, yeah. A lot of pressure. Yeah, that was the first time. And then that film was tied to my feature film because my the, these people who gave me that grant, they also invested in the feature. Oh. So, of course, I had like a similar... Which feature was that? It was Vanya. Um, Vanya yeah, so I had like a similar pressure yeah. to that. But that was more... That, I think that was really about age. It yeah. was really... I knew there's like a cutoff. It's just like, it's a fact. Yeah. Like when, when you like end the... 30s, 40s, like no one's gonna like really help you out anymore. That's so interesting. Um, I'm gonna be more aware of that now. Do you feel like there's pressure also because you're a woman? I mean, I don't have kids, but I think a lot of people experience problems 
because of uh, not problems but like difficulties choosing between like the family like the balance like navigating that balance and I mean I'm in like a kind of a group of women filmmakers and they, that's actually like a huge topic we just sure. met like last week so this is not something I'm making up like everyone is like talking about actually that balance and because they have children between, yeah or? because they have children yeah. and then it's kind of like for some years it's just not really working I mean it's just not really working out and they're stressed and yeah do you think that's um, specific to Berlin or do you think that's just specific to I think Germany is just like a problem that women are expected to be home. It's such a conservative society. Yeah. In Sweden, you don't have that. Yeah, I feel like it might be different in North America because yeah. I feel like I hope it's more and more you see babies on set. And Do it. I mean, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had your crew on your movie was all women or mostly women? Uh, so what you could say is that uh, some of the or most of the head of do you call it like head ups? Yeah, like yeah, head, head of, of departments, departments yeah. were women. Okay. Although the sound people were guys. And I must add that on Banya I had like a similar structure and it feels very natural to yeah. me. So it's not like a political statement. It wasn't like you chose like women over men. No, I chose these people because they were very capable and. I think they fit really well to this product. Mm -hmm. That's why I chose them. Um, uh, did you notice a difference? I mean, I only work with women, yeah. so I don't really know any difference. Have you ever worked on a set that has mostly men? Mm, Whether or not it's your To be project? honest, like, Insight, we were sometimes 70 people, yeah. and there were more men than right. women. A lot of men staring at us. Right. Yeah, zombies. No, <laughs> like the crew members. <laughs> As I said, no, zombies. like light department. <laughs> um, right, the light department. Yeah, like that. Do you like, notice a shift in like crew when there is mostly women or mostly men? Mm, yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I I really enjoy working with women. I feel very relaxed. Why, around women why do you think because that is? I don't know. I went to an all-girls school. Oh. So I'm like used to it. Yeah. Like, I'm just used to it. Like I, I don't have like I don't like it. Re really reflect yeah. on it. Like for me, it's you don't even think about it. No, I don't think about it. Like as do I think most men choosing other men when they work. It's probably like the same. Yeah. I'm for. I'm very much for like a mix. I think yeah. that's like the best. I get this question a lot, and I do. I understand that on like a like a political, social, political level, it's interesting to talk about why women are underrepresented mm -hmm. in film and TV. Well, in crew, especially, like crew. I mean, absolutely in in cast and acting, but in the crew, I'm always astounded when I. I'm like I've never. I think I've met one sound person that was mm. a woman. I'm gonna have one now on my next. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just you know if there's a lot of guys studying sound engineering yeah. and you're the only woman in that group. Yeah. I mean, at least I I don't really feel comfortable. Right. So I think there are some environments. Uh, so my partner is a programmer and he always says it's horrible because when he works at these various companies. Almost always, just only guys, and the only woman is kind of like this, like weird uh, element yeah. who doesn't fit in. And of course, she feels uncomfortable, and I think the guys feel uncomfortable as well. Right. So I'm, I'm really for this, like fifty-fifty. Yeah. I think we have to mix yeah. these environments, and we have to break structures. Yeah. And if there, 
are too many guys studying some sound engineering we maybe have to actively yeah make people yeah women do the same yeah yeah to kind of Um, no, to balance it out. To I think yeah, sometimes you have to force the yeah. force the change, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, do you have? This is something I do to wrap it up. But mm -hmm. I talk about any um, if you have a book or a movie or a TV show that you're watching that's really inspiring you these days. I just watched like Sharp Objects. Really oh yeah, like that yeah. I've heard that's yeah. good. I haven't seen it yet. What did you like about amazing, it? She's amazing, Amy Adams. Yeah, I liked how she just like exists. Like she's just, <laughs> she's just there. She's not yeah. even like uh, she's kind of like understated. Yeah, I would say she always has this like present, uh, this aura to her. And, and I'm talking specifically about this. I, I I don't know. I mean, I saw her in. Yeah. Is it Arrival? Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, uh, Arrival? No, is it Arrival? Oh, I can't remember. I know the movie yeah, you're talking about, Yeah, I think it's Arrival. Or I think it? you're right. It's yeah, an it's, A yeah. word, Maybe it's one, so oh, anyway. It's not. <laughs> But anyway, I really, I just really liked watching her, and yeah. she didn't even do that much, and I, I liked that a lot. And she's not trying to please. She's not trying to please the viewer. That's such an and interesting And that's something thing. which I like about our film as well, that like the main characters are not trying to please anyone. Yeah. Regardless if it's like women or men. What do you think that means? Why, and why do you think we do that? Because we're culturally inclined to do it. Mm. We, they teach us since we're kids to... I mean, in a way, it's a nice thing because you bring joy to other people. But it's not so nice because some people eliminate themselves. I mean, they just erase themselves. Yeah. Because maybe they, they don't feel like pleasing. Yeah, that's interesting. I met a woman the other day and I noticed how little she smiled. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that she wasn't pleasant. She was happy. and yeah. But she didn't she wasn't a pleaser mm -hmm. and I remember because, and I'm the absolute opposite mm -hmm. like, how, like I'm always trying to make people feel comfortable but it was just such a strength about her yeah. that I really admired but there's nothing wrong with trying to make people no. feel comfortable but, but men why? never do it yeah men don't do it and yeah. I go why like I'm very conscious now of like when I smile am I smiling to make you feel comfortable and why mm -hmm. what? I'm, I'm comfortable do you but, know what I mean yeah but smiling I think that's nice though when people smile but yeah yeah it's so a, you should do it if you want to yeah. not because you have to right y yes yeah, yeah. Um, my final question is what kind of advice would you give to yourself if you could go back in time and tell uh, yourself how far uh, 10 okay like what would you tell yourself uh, mm, so 10 years ago I was in LA no no like when you were 10 years old oh when I was 10 yeah um, what advice would you give yourself when you were say 10 years old that would benefit your present day maybe don't worry so much Yeah, because yeah. you had this kind of Chernobyl. Like, 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 I was like, why can't I eat blueberries? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, but that's a lot of weight for a kid yeah. to have. Why can't I eat I think that's my whole... It wasn't only me. I think that's that generation. Yeah. There was, like, constant crisis going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an easy thing to say, don't worry so much. Do you think that's something you would tell yourself now, too? But I'm not worrying right now no. about anything I wasn't very worried when I made this film and I'm not that worried about my next project I just right. 
take it like step by step. I'm not very worried. No, you're <laughs> very calm, and it makes me very worried. So there. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for. Ta- I mean, your film's so interesting, and I, I'm not like I'm not a huge zombie fan, but it's not really a zombie movie. Like it's like a mix of different. Yeah, the story is so great. Zombies just another layer. Like it doesn't. You know what? It's really, and it also. Scared the hell out of me, so that's okay, also. Cool. There was some moment, at one point there was this like moment that scared me so much. I went, "Oh, I don't think I can watch this." It's oh, really no. no, I pushed through. I pushed through because then the story of the two women and the sister is so interesting. That, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations, thank and you. thank you for spending time yeah. with me. Thank you. So- First of all, her accents, just so charming. And second of all, she had no time at all. We spoke last year during the TIFF Festival, and um, she squeezed an hour in for me, and it was great. She didn't know me from anybody. And we had this fantastic discussion about creativity and projects and collaboration, and it was just fantastic. And while you're on your computer, because who's kidding who, we're always on some form of computer, go on over to firecrackerdepartment.com. Subscribe to our newsletter, because we are building that sucker up, and that is becoming such a cool way of communicating new ideas and new events with you. We have so many things going on in Toronto and Los Angeles, and we'd love to have you part of it. Over on Instagram and Twitter, it's firecrackerdept. Join in the conversation. What did you think? Which one was your favorite interview so far? What do you want to hear more of? What do you want to hear less of? I'll take it all. Tell me all the feedback you've got. Thank you so much to my firecracker department team. As I said before, I could not do this without you. Big, big, big thank you to all the amazing feedback. Chelsea McKenzie is killing it in the firecracker art department, sending me such cool sketches and drawings uh, that are not only beautiful, but funny. This gal is funny. Thanks so much to some folks that are leaving great, great reviews on our iTunes account. Thank you. Uh, from Chevy Girl 24, such an informative and funny podcast. Been catching up on all the episodes and haven't found one I don't love. Thanks. From P. Curtain Batch. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Naomi Sneakers is the best podcast host out there. Fun, funny, personable. Enjoying these interviews so much. Hey, keep the reviews coming. I'll read them at the end of the podcast, and I so love them. Our team really appreciates it. Big firecracker department shout-out to some of our past interviewees like Irene Sankoff and Astrid Van Weeren. They just got an Olivier for Come From Away. Irene is such a kick-ass lady, and she's just writing and creating so much amazing stuff. Astrid is one of the performers um, in the Broadway show Come From Way and she is just one of my favorite people. Big shout out to Annie Murphy who is in Schitt's Creek. I love this gal. Go follow her Instagram. It's hilarious. She just got an award at the Gracie's for her work on Schitt's Creek. So congrats on that. Thanks so much for listening everybody. We're going to keep the shout outs coming and we're going to keep the good times rolling with Firecracker Department. I'm going to get out from underneath this blanket now because it's super hot. Dust off the dog hairs and get back to the day. Have a great day, everybody. Go kick it up. I'm Naomi Sneakers. Thanks for listening to the Firecracker Department.